I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the first ever All Talk with Jason Hoyt and Mike Minogue, our first ever podcast. Very nice to have your company. Wherever you may be in the world, whatever country you may be, whatever time it is, whatever day it is, it is fantastic that you've joined us and Mike Minogue. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Yeah, it is good to be here. I didn't know we were going to come at it with uh, this much energy. Can I just... Um... Oh, look, I can assure you that that will fade after yeah, about five minutes. I've always been of the uh, sort of philosophy, you come in hot... Uh, so I'm coming in hot, but I can promise you as the podcast goes on, depending on the duration of it, of course, because we don't know, I'll just gradually ease out sure. uh, over time. And I'll be checking my uh, Fitbit throughout the podcast just to make sure that my heart rate, Mike, doesn't get over the 120 mark, which it does when I come in way too hot. Yeah, well, mine's hovering around about 130 because I've just had a, uh, an energy drink and a dairy. So uh, the blood's really struggling to make its way through the heart at the moment. But, um, yeah, happy days. Look, mate, I'll I'll be honest with you. I I almost get the impression in terms of you and I doing this podcast, the only reason you're doing it is that it's an excuse to have a durry and that you can bludge one off me. That's right. Well, you are uh, what my wife would call a bad influence. Right. uh, Because I don't smoke cigarettes at all unless I'm with you. Hey, well, I tell you what, it's uh, I'm very excited about doing this podcast with you, mate. Incidentally, I spent a week... As well, you know, last weekend, uh, quite a significant weekend for me. Yeah. In your part of the uh, the world, the beautiful Waiheke Island, mate. And jeez, what a paradise it is over there. It's beautiful, isn't it? And, um, you know, you were there for a, you know, a good few days. And uh, you knew where I live. Uh, you knew um, that you were more than welcome to come over and see me. Um, but you never showed up. Well, um, you never called or text. And I was standing at my window doing the dishes, and I look out, and who do I see but but yourself there in a blue checkered shirt and blue jeans? It was a very hot day. I was surprised to see you in jeans, um, walking along with your your daughters there and your and your wife. And I saw once you got to my house, you crossed the road. Well, I, initially, in fairness to me, I didn't know which house was yours. Oh, yeah. um, and there was occasions where I looked up, but I know that you've got a little one at home. And, you know, there's nothing worse than un- unwanted strangers or visitors just knocking on the door, waking up the little one when you've just finally got them settled there in the cot. And I didn't want to do that to you. So right. that, that, that's the reasoning behind that's that. That's the excuse you've come up with. Yeah, well, it was a good one. No, it's, um, it would have been nice to see you because, as you say, it was, a, uh, it was a big occasion for you, your 50th birthday. Well, well hang on there. Let me just – there's been a lot of speculation about just how old I am, and, I, and, and there has been some confusion. Right. Uh, and, and that's understandable because it coincided, Mike, with daylight savings. Ah. So we were in – well, me particularly, I was in a scenario where I wasn't sure whether to put my age back a couple of years uh. or forward a couple of years. So I've gone for the option, let's put it back a couple of years. So to be fair to you and, and to all the listeners out there that are even vaguely interested, I haven't cracked the 50 I haven't cracked mate. the 50. Oh, well, don't choke. No, I, I certainly won't, my friend. Hey, should we crack into it? 
I think so. Uh, look, I've always been of the philosophy, you know, when you're first starting a project like this podcast, that you come in hard, that you come in hot mm. with some really great stuff. So I'm thinking, I don't know how you feel about this, you and I get into a bit of pet chat. Is that dog doing a shit on my lawn? The cat's dead, kids. Truck and trailer from the looks. Pet Advice with Jason Mike. Yeah, we've got a letter here, Jace, um, from our from our loyal listeners, and it's amazing how many listeners we've got, considering we we haven't even released a podcast yet. But we've had some questions flying in well, on the Instagram, flying in on the Facebook. Well, can I just say, uh, you mentioned to me the other day, Mike, you gave me a call and you said, "Mate, we've been inundated. Mm. It's been a fire hose mm. of of uh, people sending in their their letters and their requests, and you've been up till two or three every morning just yep. trying to sift through it all." Yep, that's right. Um, and we've got a, an absolute ripper to kick off here. Dear Jason, Mike, poo bag or no poo bag? Lots of love, John from Paikakariki. You've got a dog, mate. I've got a dog. Yeah, John, what a great question, and it's a question I'm so often asked by other pet owners, Mm. poo bag or no poo bag. Mm. Well, let me just start off straight off the bat to say, yeah, look, I think if you're taking your dog for a walk, it is customary and it is polite to take a poo bag. Um, You can't be in a situation where you're walking your dog um, and they, they lay a dump on, on someone's lawn and you just walk on by. That's not acceptable in my book. What about yourself? No, it's not. Not on somebody's lawn, but it depends. We're talking that front verge because there's a lot of conjecture as to who owns that front verge. For example, at my place, yeah, um, I have to mow that front verge, so you would assume that it was mine um, as rentor of that property. Um, but then every man and his dog parks on that verge. Right, um, I see. Yeah. So then maybe it's not my verge at all. So if it's not the owner of the property is Verge and it's council property, well, do you just let your dog take a dump there and don't worry about it? Yeah, that's a good question, mate. A very good question because I'm in that, I, I'm in a very similar situation with the, with the uh, Verge scenario. But what, I don't know if you find this with your dog. But incidentally, what sort of dog have you got? It's a, it's a toy. Can I call it a toy dog, mate? Is it a toy dog? It's a toy, isn't it? It's a very real dog. Uh, the, dog's name is, uh, the dog's name is Tinker. Tinker. Well, I think that's, that sort of sums it up in one, doesn't it? It's a uh, King Charles Spaniel. Yes. Crossed with a papillon. Uh, papillon uh, is, of course, French for butterfly. Right, okay. So it's sort of a manly sort of a dog. Um, when I when I met my <laughs> wife, she already had the dog. Yes. And uh, I fell in love with, with both of them deeply. With the uh, with the papillon. With the papillon. And, and your, and your lovely wife. partner. Well, yeah. I've got a, a border collie cross uh, with a Rottweiler. She's a farm dog. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't it, know you lived on a farm. We don't, actually. Uh, we, but we do have a very big, large back property that she can run around. At. And, of course, we walk her every day, so she's well looked after. She's in great condition, right. great neck. Just on the poo bag thing, I, I don't know about you, but my dog has a very specific ex- excrement regime, if I can put it that way, mm. i.e. she gets up in the morning, we feed her, and then within generally three or four minutes, she takes a dump on the lawn. Uh, and that always happens. But interestingly, Mike, whenever I take my dog for a walk, within five minutes, mm. she takes another dump. Right. And I, and I think that's just out of spite. Right. I, I think she knows that I hate having to carry a poo bag with me for the duration of the the walk. So she, she lays a dump early on. Right. Yeah, no, my dog does pretty much the same thing. As soon as you get out there, she's she's dropping one. And I think what she keeps an eye out for is she was watching to see if I tie the bag up. Yeah, okay. Now, if I put a knot in the bag, she'll take another dump. 
Which means I have to undo the bag and somehow get that second dump into the bag without touching any of the uh, the filthy plastic or indeed the poo itself. Okay, yeah. So you're not in a scenario where you take like those little a roll of dog uh, poo bags. You just take the one poo bag. Well, it varies. But what I don't like to do is use multiple bags. Yeah, I mean, it seems weird to me that you're um, you're preserving a dog poo in plastic that takes five thousand years to break down. You know what I mean? It's yeah, I know exactly. It doesn't make sense. And and the last thing you want, I mean, if you've got multiple bags, to be walking around with a fistful of uh, bags of poo in your hand. No, that's right. And, and one of the other awkward things too, and just on the bags, could I make this point? It's really important, and this is something that pet owners often neglect, the colour of the bag mm. is really important. For example, I go for a black, a dark poo bag, or indeed a khaki sort of dark green poo bag, so that you're not looking and there's no clear vision of what's inside right. said dog bag. Uh, you don't want to be going for your translucent, your sort transparent of one. your you're transparent one, where you know where you inadvertently bump into someone on the street, you know, one of your your mates, and you're having a chat, and that mushed up dog shit is is clearly visible to both parties. Well, it's funny you say that actually, because I've taken to just um, carrying a roll of Glad wrap around with me. Right. Okay. Um, and I can just depend it on the size of the poop there. Um, I can just. Uh, rip a sheet off yes. and just roll each one up individually so it's a little bit more snug and I'm just trying to use a little bit less plastic and have less of a carbon footprint if I can. Yeah. Um, the other way that I do that is um, I pretend to pick the poo up. So what I'll do is I'll put my hand inside the bag, I'll reach down beside the poo. Yeah, nice. Um, as you say, I, live, I sort of take the dog out um, for a walk on the beach and I'll, I'll reach down beside the poo. So anybody watching looks to the naked eye, it looks like I'm picking the poo up, but I'll just pick up a handful of sand. Yeah, and yeah, that's very good. Because I was going to ask, because you are literally right on the beach there, um, you know, and your dog, there's the, there's the sandy poo, as yeah. we, we can refer to it. Uh, where, but that's not so bad, isn't it? Because you can actually, if if you're actually grabbing it, grab a, a handful of sand as well. It's sort of scoop it out, if that's you like. Right. You can't do that on your grass. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest with you, mate. I mean, I, I, I find it horrific when I'm walking around with a dog poo in my hand and you bump into someone, you know, and you're having a chat. We, we all know what's in there. So what I tend to do is after she's done the dump, after five minutes or so, I pick up the poos. I, I do a little knot in it. And then there's a little bush segment that uh, is on the way there, about two two minutes further down the path. I just heave it in there, mate, yeah, uh, just to let it just you know leach away over time. That's right. Well, there's actually a lot of holiday homes on Waiheke. Mm. Um, so what I'll do is I'll pick the poo up and I'll be walking along and I'll just make sure there's no traffic coming and I'll just fling it up on the roof yeah. um, of one of the holiday homes and it just sort of settles in the guttering there after a good rain so nobody can see it. Just on that sandy poo thing, I was down with uh, with my kid down at the park up the road yesterday Yeah, and um, there's a bunch of other kids there and um, one of the mothers said to a sort of a seven-year-old girl who was playing with another seven-year-old girl there, oh, did you just give this rock um, to her child who was probably 14, 15 months to play with? And it turns out that was... That was a poo. A solidified, hardened dog poo. Well, no, it wasn't as hard as, as she thought it was. Right, was, okay. Uh, these girls started teasing each other about the fact that um, they'd been playing with uh, shit in the sandpit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. so nice. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that's where I do draw the line, though, to be fair. I mean, if my dog takes a dump in the sandpit yeah. uh, of, a, of a playground, I will pick it up. Oh, will you? Um, well, or either that or I'll just bury it. Um, in that particular scenario. But it's an interesting question. I had an interesting scenario 
um, whereby I was taking my dog for a walk. She'd done her poo, so I had my poo bag. Then I heaved the poo bag. But as we were walking along, she did a little wee. She did wheeze on this man's lawn, just on the very front verge of his lawn. This guy was furious. He was screaming at us, Get, clean that up, clean, clean, that's disgusting, clean it up. I mean, for God's sake, Mike, how am I supposed to clean that up? I mean, it was you, I mean, am I supposed to be walking around with a poo bag and, for example, a bucket and sponge so I can sponge the urine out of the grass? I mean, that was completely unreasonable in my view. Well, I think you could sponge the urine up and just wring it out into the poo bag. Well, I could do, but it just seems a little bit extreme to me. I mean, then you're getting into a scenario, and you can relate to this having a young one, you know, when it comes to going out anywhere, you know, you've got to get your sponge, you've got to get your bucket, you've got to get your poo bag. It's like with little kids, you know, you've got to get the porter kit, uh, the, the porter cot, yeah. you've got to get nappies, you've got to get a change of clothes. It's a palaver. I'm, I, it just puts me off when I walk my dog at all. You're better off putting a bullet in the bastard. Yeah, I would say so. Um, anyway, I hope that answers your question, uh, John. Um, as far as it comes to poo bags, you can uh, do it or not, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, well, there was another question here just very quickly about, because um, you mentioned the bullet there, someone talking about their dog having issues with their anal uh, anal gland. Mm. What shall I do with my dog's anal gland? Look, is, is my, that a weeper, is it? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's weeping or not. It's a bulldog. I know that much, which is pretty great. I had a quick look into that. Mm. Uh, my advice to you, you would be... a quick look into the... Into anal glands on dogs. Uh, not a pretty sight. Uh, my advice to, would be what my uncle on the farm would say. It's time for that dog to go out to the back paddock. Yeah. I'll leave it at that, shall I? Yeah. Hey, now, listen, um, you and I are both well-known and famous performers, mate. You particularly, can I just... Can I just make the point? 2019 New Zealand's best actor. Congratulations on that, by the way, mate. What well deserved? Oh, I was going to say well deserved, but you mm. you've said it for me. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's I, I watched your. You performance. seem shocked. You well, seem no, shocked I, look, I, I think it's absolutely terrific. It was really interesting uh, when you won best actor because I'd been working with you on the ACC. What a lovely bloke you were too, and I. I remember saying to uh, Mike Lane, this was back in early 2019, geez, it's, it's a pleasure working with Mike on the ACC. What a lovely, what a lovely fella he is. And he was like, yeah, he's a good bloke, isn't he? And uh, then, interestingly, you won that Best Actor Award, sort of, I don't know, was it mid-late 2019? November 25, 25. Okay, November 25th, 2019. And the personality transformation was quite extraordinary, I have to say. Mm. Uh, you went from this nice, e- easygoing guy to... Suddenly having a rider, uh, I remember you smashing a bowl of cashew nuts against the wall. I remember well, they you weren't in, salted, were they? they weren't salted. I remember you insisting on having four bottles of um, grapefruit tonic water mm. that had to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, in the space of a very short time, you went from a really nice, approachable guy to, well, can I put it bluntly, an asshole? Right. Mm. Well, I guess you can. Uh, but it's funny, isn't it? As an actor, Jace, you, you're very. Um, Actors are naturally sort of insecure people. Uh, we're never sure if we're worthy enough. To, have you sort of found that in your 30-year career, that there's sort of a, a question around your self-worth, uh, imposter syndrome, do I deserve to be here? Oh, no, I've never had that. <laughs> I've always thought I'm worthy enough. The issue that I've had, Mike, is that no one else has thought I'm worthy enough. No, that's not th- true. Th- th- thus, I haven't been given any uh, acting awards. No, but you've been nominated. That's and, true. And, you, and I've heard people say that being nominated... Um, is just as good. It's just as good as, as winning. And I'd been nominated before, and I can tell you that's a lie. Yeah. Because um, that's bullshit. Yeah, winning's better. Because you know, then you're in that situation, because it happens in the Oscars, doesn't it? Where, uh, you know, people that are nominated for, for an Oscar and they don't win, they have to put on that, oh, 
casual, it's okay yeah. face, and, and really they're seething with rage well, yeah. inside. Yeah, and it, as you should be, really. I mean, it is a weird thing to compete with, though, isn't it, acting? Is it? It is. Mm. Well, it's, 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 it's not apples and oranges. For example, if someone were to say you were the best shot putter yes. of, in New Zealand of the year, well, you could understand that because, for example, you threw... I putted it further. You, you putted it 21.6 metres, for example, yeah. whereas with an actor, it's very subjective. Mm. I mean, did you learn more lines than other actors? Is yeah. that why you're the best actor? I yeah. don't think so. No. So it's a very subjective, interesting subject, really, isn't it? You know, it's, well, it's interesting to us, but possibly not to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, but we've got this pe- uh, <laughs> we've got this acting uh, section here, Jace, where our listeners can send in any questions they've got about our, our technique, uh, about auditioning. Yeah. Um, if they're looking to get any insights into what it is to be an actor in New Zealand. Um, so you can send through any and all of your emails to me at Mr. Mike Minogue on Instagram or indeed to our, our email address, which is crouchingnight with a K at gmail.com. Cut! Let's go again, please, one more time. Jason Mike bring you Acting Chat. Hey, I believe you have a question uh, for us, Mike, so fire away and we'll do our best to answer. Hey, guys. One of the best things about being an actor must be how you get to hook into your castmates in as much details as you can possibly manage. What's your favourite sex scene you've ever been a part of? Cheers. And that's from Dave in Primarima Maximum Security Prison. Yeah, well, thanks for the question, uh, Dave. We uh, greatly appreciate it. And I can't help but feel, I mean, obviously prison's not a great place to be, Mike, but he's just looking for a little bit of titillation there. Mm. Um, he's looking for to maybe get something that might stimulate him while he's in Parimaruma prison. But it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I think, you know, it's like the Olympic Village um, during the Olympics. Apparently it's just a root fest. Mm. And, and there's this similar kind of thought sometimes that casts when they're working on shows. There's a similar sort of thing where everyone's having sex with everyone. We're all free-loving sort of liberal actors yeah. and stuff. That's not the case, isn't it? And And I would suggest very strongly, actually, there's that old adage about you know, you don't sleep with the people you work with, you don't sleep with your flatmates, that sort of stuff. What, mm. What's been your experience of this? Well, we are always, you know, I work on Wellington Paranormal and people think that me and Karen are rooting each other. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we're not yet. No, you're not yet? No, okay. No, I mean... Has there ever, ever been any simmering moments where potentially that could happen? Because, because often the success of a show... Mm. I think you'll agree with me, is that simmering chemistry between yes. the, the male and the female leads yeah. that, that can be, I think I'm thinking of like, was it called Moonlighting with uh, Sybil Shepard? Sybil Shepard and, and Bruce Willis. Oh, mate. Sure. That, Remington Steel. Oh, Remington Steel. That's yeah. another, that's another. That, you know, and I used to, I used to watch those shows and get really turned on. Right, did you? Um, you know, I was in my—I was about 12, 13, 14 years old, and the simmering sexual tension, mm. I couldn't identify it as such at that age. Right. But I used to just walk away from those shows insanely horny. Right. Yeah, and you it was because of that. You must have been in your mid-20s when Remington Steele was out. Well, no, I think, I, no, no, just, no, I, I was a tween. I was oh, a yeah. tween. Right. Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, around that age. Um, but... Yeah, look, to be honest with you, have you, first and foremost, have you done a sex scene in any of your acting? No, I haven't. The closest I've come to a a sex scene would have been in the one and only play that I've ever done um, at Circa Theatre in Wellington probably six or seven years ago. And uh, it was me and the uh, the female lead, and we we, sort of to set the scene for you there, um, the lights come up. Yeah. 
myself and my my co-star burst through the door. We're in a passionate embrace, passion each other, silly. Yeah. Uh, well, can I just stop you there very quickly? Yeah. When you were saying you're passing each other, silly, are we talking serious tongue action? Did you talk about this with each other? Because it says that it's all very well to say it in the script. Mm. They're passionate, uh, you know, passing vigorously. Yeah. Did you chat about that, or did you just start passing? You know, I can't remember, but I do remember it being a concern. But I, I don't know. I don't know if we did talk about it, but I, I know we would have. It would have been a weird thing to not discuss. Yeah. Um, but the, there was no tongues involved. It was very much a case of making it look like. Okay, yeah, nice. It. And that was that's something you sell with your uh, body language, Jace. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Vigorous head movements, um, a very firm embrace, uh, the movement of arms up and down the back, all that sort of thing makes it seem like um, you're really going at it in the tongue department. But yeah, just on that front, I know that you're 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 you very much look after your body, Mike. And I believe in a couple of months' time, you'll be starting a body workshop for actors. Um, and and it's kind of a yoga stretchy sort of um, scenario so the bodies uh, the actors learn how to use their bodies as a tool well it's interesting isn't it because you'll find with a lot of actors they don't know what to do with their hands yes you know in a scene though you know you and I at the moment we're not even thinking about what we're doing with our hands are we but as soon as you put a camera on someone or put an audience in front of them all of a sudden it feels like they've got these two alien things hanging off their body yeah and um I'm one of the worst in the business of that. I don't know. What oh, look, so I, I. I just put my hands in my pocket. I, I, I can remember the first time, in all seriousness, where I had to walk towards camera, <laughs> and um, and this is absolutely true. And I just remember, and it was quite a long walk. It was like twenty or thirty meters. Right. And I just remember, I just lost the ability to walk right. because I was aware of the fact that I was on camera. And suddenly, you're right that my my legs felt wrong. Yes. My my hands felt wrong. Mm. So I might join up your with your body workshop, yeah. mate, on, on that. In that regard. Well, I remember seeing you in there, and it was weird because normally you go uh, right foot forward, left arm forward. Yes. And you were going right foot forward, right arm forward. So you're sort of doing this um, sort of a Theresa May march across the stage. <laughs> it, was, uh, I mean, it was something to behold. Yeah, well, the other side of that, when I was a young child, Mike, you won't know this about me, I had a, a disease called osteomyelitis, and so my legs were in cast for six months. I was in hospital. Um, How old were you? I was about four, oh, yeah. and um, because of that, I've got weirdly shaped legs now, right. and, I, and we call it quarter to three. So oh, yeah. you know how ballerinas get into a pose with the legs, with the feet legs splayed out? Yeah, 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 that's my legs just in, in natural repose, and so I walk at quarter to three anyway, so it's already wor- uh, weird. Right. So let's get back to your play. You're in a passionate embrace. The lights come up. We you burst, burst through, through the, the doors. Door. We're, yep. we're, uh, for all appearances, we're passionate each other. Uh, we make our way over to the couch, yeah, um, and then in the process of making our way uh, to the couch, um, I knock o- o- her wig off, and it turns out that the character's um, it's got cancer. She's had chemotherapy. Right, okay. So that sort of killed the mood. Yeah. And so that's as far as we got in the sex scene of that. Right, so. Kissing. And that was, even, that was without tongue, so... Uh, that was just mashing your mouths together really yeah, uncomfortably, sort and of was, smashing your teeth together, that, and, that kind of thing. And weirdly... Like your first third form social pash. Oh, I didn't start kissing until later than that. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it was very weird because I had absolutely no feeling of, you know, sort of no attraction. There was nothing against her. Yes. Um, towards her. I had no... Well, perhaps it was a chemistry there, but I I certainly didn't feel tempted to try and engage her in in anything after the show. She had a boyfriend as well. 
Right, okay. Which, you know, so that was. Yeah. And you didn't have a girlfriend still till your late late twenties, wasn't it? Your first partner. Yeah, it was. It was very late on. Oh, actually, I was in my thirties when I did this play. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, nice. But that's as close as I've, I've come. But I know that you've had a lot of Oh, look, sex. I've had a few. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about sex scenes. You know, you see the Brad Pitts and the likes. Um, but that's all to do with lighting and camera angles and all that sort of stuff. The reality is it's quite humiliating. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a sex scene. Especially for you with your weird legs. Yeah, with my weird legs, you know. And I've, I've always been a bit body conscious. So I've, I've never been comfortable mm. um, getting my kid off. I did, I did a sex scene in a short film um, where I had to... To my eternal shame, where what they call a naked G, mm. uh, which is a G string, the color of your flesh, basically. The, well, my flesh, oh. so a sort of reddish hue to it. Um, and, and true story, actually, it was a female naked G, oh. uh, and so I had to wear this. And my what was happening with your balls? Well, that's exactly. There was some serious, there was some serious ball overhang, and they were going, "Oh, we can't have this." I mean, there's nothing more unattractive than a man wearing a tanned naked G with, with testicular overhang going on. Now, um, did you have um, one either side or two over one side? Well, no, then mine aren't that flexible. Um, so I had, but but even more disconcerting, I had one either side, Mike, if I can explain it like that. Yeah. But also, one of my testicles is shorter than the other. So on, on one side, I had what you'd call a stubby testicle, just just breaking the rim of the... Of the G-string on the other, a very low-hanging low testicle. That's strange, isn't it? So gravity had affected one of them more than the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and true story, what they actually had to do was they the the wardrobe people took it away and they put a zip. They put a they cut it down the the front of the G-string. Your ball bag. No, the actual G-string, oh. and they um, they put a bit of elastic in there so that the G-string could be stretched out and thus encompass my elongated testicles um but and so it was no really, wonder you no wonder you've got this body shape well so exactly weird, weird legs and weird balls it, weird legs and weird balls for sure but um and and this sex scene it was a proper sex scene actually we were both pretty much naked and we we, we tried to kind of choreograph it in a way but it just as much as you try and choreograph sex it just never really worked man so we at the end you know, after about three or four takes we went Shall we just go for this? Just put everything to the side and just go go for it. And we did. Um, and you know, it, we were just bumping and grinding and doing all that sort of stuff. It was, it was, to be honest, it was quite arousing. And I had one in Gormsby too, but that was just someone pretending to right, make yeah. love to me while I sat in a chair. And, sure. And that didn't really. You only saw the back of my head. In fact, I think they might have even used a stunt double for that. Yeah. They didn't trust me to. Um, to deliver there. Yeah. Well, that is where, I mean, outside of the sex scene side of things and just to stray away a little bit, this is a short film with a sex scene in it. Yes. Short films generally between 10 to 15 minutes and you're putting a sex scene in it. Yeah. How long was the sex scene? About 11. <laughs> so it was a very, um, it was a very vigorous sex scene. Right. Um, and th- there was a little bit of dialogue. I think we had about three lines each. It was more about... It was more about the sort of sexual tension, uh, if you like. So, so yeah, there you go. Did I hear about this one? Is this one that you funded, mm. and you cast a woman that you quite like the look of? I think uh, I can't remember who funded it. Actually, I don't even know if we got funding, to be honest. But it, um, it wasn't released publicly, though. I mean, no, it's it. never been public. No, no. 
Um, but I think I think we've answered Dave's question, don't you, uh, from Parimarima? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how good a wank you're going to get out of that, Dave, but um, yeah, all the best, mate. Yeah, good stuff. So what are we about to go into now, Mike? Because we've just been talking about sexuality and so forth. Well, just, I mean, before we move on with the acting <laughs> stuff, I'd probably I'd just like to ask you what you've been up to lately with, oh, your, yes. with your acting. Well, I've been doing uh, a little bit of... You are a prolific actor, Jason, although you haven't, you know, you're, you're sort of, you're not in your, your um, Shortland streets, although I'm sure you've been in that I've as well. Been, I've been, yes, I've You're killed. one of New Zealand's most probably busiest character actors. Well, mate, I was in Shorten Street a couple of times and I killed two of the main characters on Shorten Street. That's my claim to fame. That's great. Um, in fact, I got what to the point it? where where whenever actors in Shorten Street saw me, they knew their contract was about to expire. <laughs> they used to shit themselves. Um, but, yes, no, I've been doing a bit of broken wood, a, a little bit of um, stuff here and there, little pieces here and there, which is really nice. It's not yeah. too vigorous. It's not too stressful. What about yourself, Mike? What have you been? What have you been up to? Because I know you're a busy man as well. Well, you know, surprising, really. I mean, you've you've brought up the fact that I am the best uh, actor in the country, and you sort of think, well, as soon as you get that accolade, you know, the offers are going to start pouring in, but they haven't. Yeah. Um, and the only job I've had in the last three years is in Wellington Paranormal. Uh, but I did get an interesting offer came through um, this week, actually. Yeah. And uh, no audition required. Um, and it's for Andrew McCartan's latest project. Oh, okay. Um, he's an Academy Award. He's a Kiwi guy, Academy Award winning um, writer. And uh, he wrote The Theory of Everything, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow, okay. Um, and he's also currently working on... Screenplays with Neil Diamond for his life story and Mick Jagger as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's really good to um, actually get some quality coming through. Right, so I don't, I don't want to work all the time, mate. I just want to work on things that um, I can be proud of. Yes, you know? uh, if Fair I don't enough. want to watch it, then I don't want to be in it. Really, is is my feeling on things. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how that pans out. And what is it exactly? What's the uh, name of the um, Ladies' Night? Um, that's going to be on at Centrepoint Theatre in Palmerston North. Um, from the middle of October until the end of the year. Ladies' night? Yeah, it's a... Uh, Where, where's it playing? Palmerston North, Centrepoint. Right. Yeah, Andrew McCartan wrote it, and I think about... Well, he didn't write it. I think it was an English writer, and he sort of did an adaptation for New Zealand. Okay. Um, in about 1992. Okay. Um, you do know, for that particular show, that the the male actors do actually get their full kit off. Yeah, it's a strip tease, isn't it? Um and lucky I've been, I've, you know, I've been doing a bit of working out. Lately, well, you're so looking feel, in great shape, I, I so pretty good about that. But um, I'm happy getting down to my boxes. It's all right. Yeah, we're we're not even talking boxes here. I'm thinking because I remember the great um, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, yeah, that great man. Uh, sadly missed. Sadly missed. He was in Ladies' Night, and they were sold out every night. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Because well, he was a great-looking guy. Let's be yeah. honest, and I'm pretty sure people he got say, his people off. say that about us. Yes. Well, yes. Um, so, well, good luck. So, what? So you're saying G-string? No, no. I'm saying f- full nudity. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's something you might want to just have a little think about, mate. Because I know that. Well, we've talked about this in the past. You're chewed up. Because um, you had an issue with a, as a as a young kid with your, your chewed up foreskin, well it wasn't chewed up it was just it was closed over wasn't it and you had to well, rip it yeah, the doctor had to, had to rip it had to over rip the, the foreskin off yeah um, yeah we'll get onto that once we touch on some men's health stuff but yeah it's fun. it's actually that's just dawned on me because I have done a um I've done a strip tease before 
um, you know, sort of a fundraising thing that you sort of you do, and it was at, at the local rugby club there, and the uh, you know it was just for the the wives and girlfriends sort of thing, and the netball, like the full Monty. Well, you know that sort of that, thing, that you know, kind of thing. Yeah, 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 and it's everyone's everyone's getting a few drinks them and trying to trying to raise some money for the club there, and um, you know I just remember you sort of you sort of black out a bit because it's quite nerve-wracking taking your clothes off and dancing in front of people, which I'm not... Well, especially when you've got legs and testicles like me, mate. <laughs> That's right. And so I remember, you know, the cra- you know, getting my shirt off, I mean, cra- girls are going absolutely nuts, you know, just screaming. Ah, yeah. Know, I was in pretty good shape back then. And then I, I, I took, you know, I went fully off with the pants and there was just this <gasps> collective gasp. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and now that, that probably is because of my... Matured up half sausage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's nothing more sort of uh, what's the word Sh- shrinking than than when you take your pants off to hear a gasp, not a not a pleasurable gasp, a gasp of can I can I phrase it a gasp of horror. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. there you go. So. Oh well. Well, it's something for you to consider anyway, mate. All the best with that down in Palmy North. There, where was it? The Center Center Point. Point. Yeah. yeah. Great theatre that. Great theatre. Hope it's got good dark lighting then. Indeed. Um, right, but we have been talking sex, and so I think uh, it's time for us to go into a bit of uh, relationship. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Advice. I think she's cheating on me. It's Relationship Advice with Jace and Mike. Bit of relationship advice, and thanks again to our uh, listeners out there who've been sending in some letters to us. And feel free to do the same. You can hit me up on Mr. Mike Minogue on my Instagram account or email us at crouchingnight with a K at gmail.com. Why Crouching uh, Night, by the way? Where's that from? Oh, it's just an old email address that I use for, uh, for stalking. Right, okay. Crouching Night. Great stuff. Yeah, good, good. And so. Actually, this is this is the interesting thing about all the letters and stuff we receive, Mike. A lot of people getting down to the sex, aren't they? Oh, yeah. uh, we don't. That's not what we're about. But we're prepared to take one or two. Yeah, of we those. do. We do want to know about your relationship stuff. You know, things where you are having trouble. Um, you know, just connecting with your partner. You might have been with them for a few years, or trying to find common interests, or yeah, you know, um, maybe your uh, your your wife or girlfriend just won't stop nagging, and you're wondering how do I just shut her up? Right, you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, or, and just or things conversely, like conversely, the male might be the issue. Yeah, yeah, you know, just things like uh, you know laundry and chores around the place, that sort right. of thing. Just every day, every day, sort of. Living stuff is the sort of thing we're looking for. And, and, you know, the listeners might be asking, well, what do we know about it? Why would we ask these guys for advice? I mean, Jase, you've been in a long-term relationship now. How long is that? How long is yeah, your... 24 years, mate. Right. So, 24 years. so you're doing something right. Yeah, well, yeah. Or I'm just being completely ignored. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and interesting, that was, that was a relationship that started from a show. 
Oh, really? Uh, there was a lot of chemistry going on, but we didn't she have any... in the short film with you? No, she wasn't in the short film, but um, we, we had a lot of chemistry going on, but we didn't have a sex scene together until right. till we started going out. Oh. Then we, had a, then we had a sex scene. Was it a private sex scene? It was a private sex oh. scene, yeah. It wasn't filmed. Pay-per-view. Oh, not, that, not, not, no, no, no. One of those viewing yeah. booths. Yeah. Well, you had to put your, your 20 you, piece in there. Never been in one of those. Never been in one of those. But what's the question, Mike? Because I'm curious to know... And slightly terrified at the same time to know what it is. And dear Jason Mike, uh, my partner and I have been together for nearly three years now. We never had amazing sex, but I was happy enough. Oh. Okay, so that, I mean, we're already off to a situation where, but I was happy enough. So, well, I mean, it wasn't great, but it'll have to do. I mean, you've only been together for three years and sex has never been good. So, I mean, this is getting back to this chemistry thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it so, is. I mean, it feels like a bit of a dead rub already. He's on anxiety medication. <laughs> which I believe can interfere with desire. This also causes erectile dysfunction, which of course doesn't help. Well, I wouldn't have thought so. Mm. But there are other ways we can achieve intimate satisfaction with each other. Ali? What was the question? Well, are there other ways we can... Well, I'm asking you. Oh, right. Oh, I guess you can do a bit of this. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, A year ago, we moved away from my hometown to buy a business that we both run together. I'm now living away from uh, my family and friends in a new community. His interest in sex has dropped right off where he no longer wants it and insists that most couples that are around our age, 50, don't or really have sex anyway. Right, okay. Who do I know that's 50? Ish. I know I might have my faults in the bedroom, one being I'm very much a lie-back-and-give-it-to-me type of gal. Good God. But this hasn't been an issue with past partners. Well, can I put it to you that it might be an issue with your past partners because they're your past partners? Yes. And if it wasn't an issue, maybe they'd be your current partner. Just throw that out there. I also don't orgasm. Hmm. But still enjoy. Jeez, this is blunt, isn't it? I wasn't expecting something quite so blunt as this, but carry on. I still enjoy and desire sex and intimacy. He says I don't seem to want to be sexy or erotic, and he'd like to see sexy lingerie, but I'm a bit of an old hippie and just like to get naked. He's a night owl, and I'm an early bird, so I don't know when the grand lingerie event would happen anyway. Night after night, I go to bed on my own and wake up next to him snoring. I'm getting to a stage where I feel like asking if he would mind if I got my needs met elsewhere. I'm feeling sad and confused with the resentment rearing its ugly head. Cheers, Sharon from the Naki. Look, my, uh, can I give my advice to Sharon if you don't mind, Mike? No, go ahead. I'd say flag it. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, I don't see anything redeeming there. Um, I think just move on. Yeah. Um, but there was something quite defeatist about the whole thing. You know what I mean? I sort of lie there and, you know, I don't orgasm and it's, not, it's never been that great. And, um, but now it's got sort of even worse. Just, just flag it. Just walk away. Yeah, he's a night owl. I'm an early bird. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a snorer. He wants me to wear lingerie, but I've considered that uh, too hard. Um, I'd rather wander around naked. Um, yeah, it sounds to me like it's a too hard basket. If I was you, I'd break up with him before he breaks up with you. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's just around the corner to me. Yeah, what's your philosophy on breaking up, Mike? You like to be the breaker-upper, or do you like to be broken up with? Um, I think probably... Well, particularly in that scenario where the writing's on the wall, really, isn't it? I mean, you couldn't be more writing on the wall than that. And you just got to say, oh, look, this is ridiculous. Just call it. Well, can I just say, Sharon, you're 50, mate. You haven't got time to be, uh, to be messing around with somebody. Um, That's right. You know, you've got to get on. You're, you're almost 50. You're almost dead, mate. Yeah. Uh, so you need to get out there and get into a... Well, 50's uh, a new 40, Mike. 
So you know, but but just but just just on it as well, mate. I, I mean, it sounds to me like she's not really interested in making much of an effort either. Well, she's not. Uh, uh, he's obviously not that keen. Um, she's obviously, you know, it's almost like, okay, well, let's just get this done kind of attitude. And if, if, if both parties are in that situation, I say flag it, move on. Well, his dick doesn't work anymore. Well, so that's a good indication. And there's nothing more crushing, and believe me, than trying to put on a condom when you're on an unerect penis, if I can be as blunt or as that. Or trying to put a vagina on an unerect penis. Well, exactly, exactly. So, because that doesn't work either. No. So I would, what was their name again? Sharon from the Necky. I think Sharon, we're both... We're both on the same page here, Mike. Flag it. Yeah. Uh, and move on. Yeah, move on. She's over. Okay, we'll keep those um, questions coming in in terms of relationships too. Um, we'll be sure to address them. Uh, but now, let's have a bit of sport chat, shall we? He's been doing it all day, Rev. It's over. Run, 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 run. Kick. Sports chat with Jason Mike. Jeez, another great sting there, buddy. That's a good Bloody top work. I mean, it's, it's the key. The key to a great podcast is, is stings. You've got to have good stings. Yeah. Um, there are a lot happening on the sporting front. What do we want to... Well, I guess, you know, again, it's one of these situations it's, that the listeners might be saying to themselves, well, who are these guys yeah. to talk about sport? I mean, they're just a couple of, uh, you know, white guys in their 40s and 50s uh, talking about... Well, I'll just stick with, with the no 40s. <laughs> we can just stick with the 40s there, mate. A couple, uh, couple of guys in their 40s. With no expertise whatsoever, but um, not in this mm. case. Because I think you and I have both got a fairly decent pedigree when it comes to sport, mate. I mean, what was what was your sort of upbringing in the sporting world? Well, um, you know, I, I spent my formative years in Rotorua, actually, Mike, where I was... Quite a well-known and renowned soccer player. Really? Um, for my age, I played for Rotorua City and yes. for Otonga Primary School. Um, and I had the distinct um, privilege, I guess, of my team, for, particularly for Otonga Primary School. We played three seasons without losing a game and won all the championships. And I was the goalkeeper of that side, Mike. And in three seasons, I led in one goal, my friend. Ah, so close. Yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? So you're saying you're you're famous, you're well known. Well, my father actually was a very talented um, a goalkeeper, and he played for Rotorua City. He played up in Auckland as well, and my grandfather actually played for New Zealand once as goalkeeper really? against Canada, which they lost the game one nil. Brum Hoyt. A lot of people probably that listen to the ACC will be familiar with Brum. Um, well, Brum probably had, was a bit distracted by some of the ladies in the crowd. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah, he was a shagger, no question about it. But so I had a bit of a pedigree, I guess you could say. You know, and I well but remember. It's, it's really interesting, isn't mm. it? Sorry to interrupt you. No, but but really diminishing returns there, isn't it? So you've got Brum, who's, who's played for New Zealand. Your father, who's played for Rotorua Seniors, and then moved up to Auckland. And your claim to fame, you're telling me, is... He also played for Auckland City, my father. And Auckland City. And yep. your claim to fame is um, you went pretty good in primary school. Yeah, Otonga. Otonga Primary School. Undefeated for three seasons, mate. Yeah, wow. Und- you know, and I still remember to this day... Um, being a young fella um, and turning up to the, the pitch at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And it was actually, we didn't have proper goalposts uh, for our yeah, games. We had jerseys on the ground. Well, you? no, we didn't even have, we had rugby posts. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it was a massive goal. And I was a tiny little creature with wonky testicles and small legs. Um, and so, you know, it was a real achievement. But I know, I know that you yourself might were a pretty handy footballer. 
Well, yeah, I did play a bit. Interesting, though, that you were good, a good goalkeeper, and I think those bandy, weird um, 315 legs of yours probably helped you out because you had one one foot ready to go one way and one foot ready to go the other. Exactly, so it mate. it probably helped you leap off a lot a lot quicker. Yeah, no, I played um, I played soccer until probably I was about 13, rep soccer as well for the Hora Whenua. Yes. Um, and was a striker. Um, and scored in one season there 67 goals. Is that uh, true, Mike? That is, that is true. For Hot Whenua, you scored 67 no, no, goals. For the local team. So oh, like. our, our team, um, we were undefeated every single year that we played. The closest we came, and that was probably eight years. Yes. And the game we came... Well, that's a bit better than my three, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the closest we, we drew one we did actually draw a game against Ohau, um, which was devastating I was furious when I got home yes. um, about that one um, and the highest scoring margin we had was 24 nil. wow and how many of those did you score? I Can you remember? Probably seven. Seven? Yeah, yeah nice. So there was another guy on the team who got more than me, and that was fine. I remember very well, I don't know, because we're of similar age, mm. um, of, of turning up, as I was saying earlier, at the school, eight o'clock in the morning, there was frost on the ground, yeah. uh, the excitement of playing. Uh, you know, we didn't have boots either. We didn't actually have football boots. That's how sort of primitive we were back then. And how many people were on each team? I, I, I think we had the full 11. Oh, we had yeah. the full 11. Um, and, Did you, know, you guys have your own jerseys or you it, just wore whatever you wanted? No, wore? we had our own jerseys. Oh. Otonga, it was a blue and white jersey, I think, if I recall correctly. And, um, you know, you'd freeze your feet off. And that was exacerbated by the fact that we played with those old leather, yeah. um, those yeah. old leather footballs that used to just get absolutely sodden with rain yep. and wet and turn into like medicine balls. That's right. Well, there's a couple of issues, wasn't there? If you'd had a heavy rain or if it was indeed raining while you were playing and, and the grounds didn't sort of uh, drain. drain. As well as, they, as well as they do these days. Which you I have. don't imagine they did in the horror Whenua. No, not at all. And they're all sort of a bit wonky as well, the grounds. But, you know, you kick the ball and it would just sort of land. Or you'd be trying to dribble the ball and it would just, you know, land up behind you. As you say, very medicine ball-like. And bloody way a ton, those things. Yes. Hard for, uh, for young kids to, to move the ball up the ground when it weighs about 11 kilos. Well, for, you know, for that big curling sort of pass to the winger on the outside there, sure. it was very difficult to do that with one of those balls. Oh, it was absolutely impossible and pr- probably something of a health risk. Yes. Um, well, I know you had a few issues with it, um, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I had concussion issues. We had a, we had a guy that would, would, who played in the uh, midfield and he had a very good boot on him. So he'd take our corner kicks for us. And um, sort of, I, I'd I'd hang around in the box there and, and sort of claim a few headers into the back of the net, uh, but over the course of the game, not just in a, a sort of a goal scoring environment, but just in general play, you, you're knocking a few headers around. Yes, and it really rattles the brain. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was it was not rare for me to sort of do you know be ten or twelve you know headers in the course of a game, and you know sort of you sort of black out a little bit, and you maybe come to an hour or so later and. You know, you're eating an ice cream on your couch at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been mild. Well, serious. That was actually a huge yeah. issue, wasn't it? Yeah. You were mildly. Con- how'd, well, you how'd were we severely- go, Mum? How'd we go? <laughs> I, you won. Oh, how did I go? Oh, you got eight goals today. Oh, did I? Great. Yeah. And finish her off your ice cream, and you know that. Yeah, you, you sort of your weekends end up being a bit of a blur. Yes, yeah, severely concussed. Well, it's funny you should say that actually, because I vividly recollect. Um, we'd, it was the end of our third season, and we'd got to a penalty shootout with the team that w- could overtake us in the competition. 
And, you know, we'd had the situation when the ball was very heavy, that, that wet leather ball. And we got to a situation where we were doing the penalty shootout. And to win the game, our striker had to just get the last penalty and score with the last penalty. Mm. And we would have won not only the game, but actually the entire season. And I'll never forget it. Uh, it's, it's etched firmly in my memory as he came hurtling in, steaming in to nail that ball into the back of the net to win the championship for us. And he kicked the ball and his legs snapped clean in half. Clean in half, Mike. And, oh, the, the wails and the, the, the pain and the just, the agony of it is still etched firmly in my mind. Sort of that gasp went around the ground, didn't it? Sort yes. Of a similar gasp to when people saw my uh, my chewed up sausage. Yes. I was doing that. It's a very similar thing where you see something horrific that you weren't expecting. And I think the ball went after he'd kicked it. It only went about a foot. Uh, it was it was that, by that stage that heavy. And he he had a very similar build to you. Very lithe, very sort of slim mm. fella. Mm. With very he was a great striker mm. um, with very long legs, and it was just a brutal snapping. Yeah, and I guess you guys would have been really pissed off because he cost you the game. Yeah, well, exactly. That was the that was the other thing. Um, so we ended up not winning that particular. Well, it was we drew it with uh, another team, Nongataha. Oh yeah, Nongataha, which yeah. is a suburb did have, there. Did they have boots? Yeah, they did have boots. Rich you see, bastards. us kids in Otonga, in the Otonga environment, mate, we were very poor, but we still played like well, demons. I mean, you're, you, I mean, the kids on your team couldn't have even afford legs that didn't snap. <laughs> well, exactly. Now, listen, as we said, we've been um, putting it out there to people, uh, you know, what they want us to discuss and so forth, and, and we were absolutely inundated. And I can tell you in, in future uh, podcasts, Mike, we will be covering off a lot more stuff. I'm just trying to find it here on my yeah, Google. Well, we're We've gonna, got, here we go. Stylish home renovation ideas. We'll be covering off a fireworks safety, office protocol, secondhand car checks, tips for new mums. That's a good one. Mm. Uh, secondhand car checks, trading post, buy, sell and trade, and uh, movie and, and book Film reviews, mate. Yeah, that's right. We think the training post is a real winner. So if you've got something out there that you'd like to buy, sell or trade, um, again, you can get that through to us on the same email as any advice that you want to get through to us, which is Night with a K at gmail.com or uh, at Mr. Mike Minogue on Instagram there. Now, all of this stuff will be any questions that you've got. You don't have to worry about it. It's all you know going to be treated with the utmost confidentiality. Absolutely. Uh, no names will be used um, unless we make them up. Uh, so feel free to go into as much detail as you like, and uh, you know your name and details will be kept completely secret. Absolutely, mate. Well, I tell you what, it's been a pleasure and uh, doing our first podcast, mate. What are your thoughts? Uh, Seem to go okay? Yeah, well, so far, I mean... Uh, Until we get the feedback. Yeah, that's right. So, also, yeah, I mean, if you've got any fan mail you want to send in, you know, maybe you think that Jace is just mm. a, uh, a cracking radio host and you'd like to give him a compliment or, um, you know, just let us know how we could improve the show, by all means. And just, just keeping in mind, of course, it's our first one too, Mike, and by Christ, so for our first one, we're humming along, so oh. it's going to be great. Hey, look, thanks for joining uh, All Talk with Jason Hoyt and Mike Minogue. We'll be back again. Are we going to do this weekly, Mike? I think that's the plan. We'll be doing it weekly, mate. We'll be chucking out there weekly. So make sure you tune into the next one. In the meantime, look after yourselves. Take care out there. Until then, goodbye. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.